Welcome to the Devil Unfiltered podcast. We are your hosts, our Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafi Butner. We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully empower you. Today's episode is going to be about marriage and finances. So this is a topic that some couples are very comfortable with and some couples are very uncomfortable with. When it comes to couples and managing their money, some people want to do separate accounts, some want to do joint accounts, or some want to do a combination of the two, which, you know, whatever works for the couple. But I do know that a lot of times people will discuss how being a married couple is beneficial to you financially, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to you have to consider the fact that you can save money by sharing household expenses and household duties. Also, as a couple, you get to enjoy many benefits that single people do not when it comes to insurance, retirement, and even taxes, especially for those of us that are out in the Western world. So today, we're not going to leave any stone untouched. We're going to go into all things Um, marriage and finances. And we might want to also, we will also get into money management when it comes to the newlywed couples. We can share our experiences. What did we do as newlyweds that worked? Mm -hmm. How did we pivot and shift later on in the marriage due to circumstances or different jobs? And then um, hopefully you guys will be able to learn. So I'm going to pass it on to you, our Mary, to just give us your take on marriage and finances. All right. Thank you. So for me, I would say the beginning um, of everything, especially the conversation, it's about uh, compromise, because we all know that marriage is about compromise. Um, Whether you're coming at it earlier on now or, you know, you're waiting till, you know, um, 20 years or, you know, 15 years later, um, when you feel like you're in your thirties or in your forties to get married, it, it still is about compromise. So when I got married, I got married very young, got married, um, when I was in my twenties, I just keep it that way, early twenties. So I feel like I grew up with my husband. So we both didn't have any, um, we were both recent, um, actually it was my final year in college and he had just graduated. We were both hustling. And so everything we had, we felt like we built it. So I did not come into the marriage with money. He didn't either. So everything was, was hardly, um, uh, attained by working hard and so on. Um, so we opened joint bank accounts. We, combined credit cards, we combined investments, whatever it is, we started uh, having those conversations very earlier on. And I would say that over the years, some days better than others, you know, clearly, because as you get older, you might want to do certain things. And then you kind of feel like, okay, maybe it might be a big purchase, like me me and my shopping addiction. Um, so, you know, but I think it's also to a good way for somebody else to be like, you know what, that doesn't make sense. You know, maybe don't get that or with him, you know, back in the day, he loved cars. He would just come in with a brand new car. I'm like, oh my God, did we just get a new car? You know, so things like that. So, um, I think it's, it's again, going back to the, the compromise, um, like having joint finances might mean something for me. It might mean something for somebody else. And I think culturally, uh, this is a topic that's very sensitive, um, where, you know, most married couples might want to discuss other people 
will not. And I'll give an example um, where even our own culture, like in the Gambia, where majority of women do not even know how much their husbands make or the husbands don't know how much their wives make only because they just feel like that's such a sensitive topic and what's theirs mm-hmm. is theirs and they don't have to feel the need of knowing and without knowing these things the basic things you cannot have the right conversations of of how do we save how do we purchase assets how do we create generational wealth for that for our children so i'll i'll stop there and and i'll share pass the mic on to to dr nafi and and you can share on a little bit more Thank you, Mary. Good points. Um, I think that um, mine's a little bit different uh, than your experience because you just mentioned that you got married a little bit early. Well, I was an old hag when I got married. Never. I was in my 30s when I got married. And so my early, early 30s. And uh, I have to say by that time, I was already financially stable in a sense that I was making my own money. I had my own bank account and everything. And so my husband coming into the relationship, he also had his bank account, you know, was working and doing his own thing. And so when we got together and got married, um, what we decided to do was to have, initially we just kept our individual accounts. And then after a couple of years, Um, we merged together where we had a joint account. Now, I still have my, my, my private account, and he has his personal account as well, but we do have our joint account together. See, because the way that I see it is that, so marriage is a partnership, right? So when you marry somebody, I feel like you keep your individuality while at the same time, you know, um, you're becoming one, like... I entity right Mm -hmm. and so and so you don't necessarily have to lose your individuality by closing up all your accounts and then having one big account I feel like you can still keep your individuality but also have a joint um you know personal account together that you do a lot of things uh through like pay the house bills the you know uh utilities and all and anything else that you guys have to do together like going on vacations and all of that stuff you know um you could pay out of that joint account um so now what in in let's talk a little bit especially in our culture right if we're talking about gambia in particular gambia is mostly uh, uh you know like religiously it's a uh, it's it's speaking right uh, it's a Muslim country. And so we tend to refer back a lot, you know, to, oh, you know, this is what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. But mostly we do that when it works in our benefit, if we're going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if it doesn't work in our benefit, we don't even bring it up. And so, for example, you, we would hear this over and over and over again, where, you know, people are quoting that scripture said I can marry four wives. Well, we all know scripture didn't say that, but I digress. So um, religiously speaking then, right, it's the husband who is responsible for the wife's financial well-being, religiously. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. And so she, the wife, right, she can choose to contribute financially, but it's not her responsibility to do that. That's what scripture says. However, I have to say in our community, 
I don't see a lot of that financial responsibility when it comes to the man taking responsibility of the wife that he marries. Mostly what I have seen growing up is that the wife also has her little hustle. And so she's contributing, she's taking care of herself and the children, you know, as much as the guy is giving her money for the house and the, you know, and everything else. So it's more of a maybe joint effort. Uh, Maybe one might be making more than the other. And so if, you know, a lot of the women we see hustling at the market, selling stuff, you know, petty trading and stuff like that. They do that mostly because financially they have a burden. They have to take care of the children. They have to take care of stuff at home. And that's why they're hustling that hard at the market and working. And so it becomes this, um, I feel like the, the, the basis of all of the financial stuff when we get married is just communication, right? There needs to be communication discussion when you marry somebody as far as how are we going to work this financial stuff out? What is, you know, what are rules and regulations that we have to live by? For example, your lifestyle choices together, right? You can't have one person be, you know, shopping at Goodwill and the other one all they wear is designer clothing because <laughs> that's going to bring conflict, right? So you want to make sure, true, true. So you want to yeah. make sure that you 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 discuss the lifestyle changes or choices that we have. And one thing which is a biggie is that, I always tell people or my friends when we discuss is that don't let salary differences come between you. And this is a big one in a sense that, you know, um, sometimes in, and that's not only in Gambian culture, that's in a lot of cultures around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's a salary difference between the man and the woman, all of a sudden there's a power struggle as far as, listen, I am the boss. I make the money we do what I say kind of thing, you know, that I've seen that in multiple um, cultures, you know, whether it's Asian culture, African culture, even in the Western culture, I've seen that, you know, there was a, um, I remember watching a, sh- a, a reality show or, or an interview or something where the husband was making all this money and the wife was a stay-at-home mom. And in the interview, when they were talking, I, I think they went to like, um, look for a house or something. And so the wife is saying that she really liked this house. And the husband turned around and said to her, uh, excuse me, you don't get to decide because you don't make any money. Ooh. Mm-hmm. He said that on camera and I just cringed mm-hmm. because right there is the kind of issues we have financially when there's a big difference in uh, let's say, you know, um, earning a potential where one person feels like because they are the ones making more or the sole um, uh, uh, a contributor so that they are the only ones whose choices and decisions matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's something we got. To, I'll just leave it right there for now and, and give it to Anna. But that's these are some of the things that we should probably touch up on and, and kind of discuss a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree, um, Dr. Nafi, that when it comes to marriage and finances, you brought up a lot of good topics that we're going to go into into more detail. But my quick experience with marriage and finances, my first marriage, I was also super young. And um, he was maybe a good seven years older than I was. Um, so he was in the workforce before I was. Uh, but we we kind of went into it we had joint accounts. And then when the marriage didn't work, 
to my <laughs> surprise, uh, the joint account was showing zero. I was like, oh, is this what we're doing? So, um, yes. So I, but what I learned from it was that when it comes to marriage, there has to be a level mm -hmm. of trust in the person mm -hmm. that you choose to be with that. Mm -hmm. And also, and I know people are not, some people might come for me for this, but in Wolof, we say, and I know when parents mm -hmm. say it, when they say marry your equal, we fight against it. And we're like, no, you know, I want to fall in love with whoever I want to fall in love with. But trust me, there's a level of hunger. There's a level of thirst mm -hmm. for money that comes with your background. See, when you grow up in poverty, like, money almost becomes your everything. It's almost like you can't even think, especially once you get your hands on it, because you're like, I never want to go back right. to poverty. And you, it's almost like you lose sight of what's important because you're so hell-bent on never being poor. So I, I feel like your decision-making becomes skewed. However, second time around, I got married. I was 30. And um, thankfully, this time around, I did marry my naule. And I felt like everything was just so much mm -hmm. easier. Like we were able to have open and honest conversations about money. We were able to discuss. Um, and granted, we were both 30. So he mm -hmm. already was working, as was I. And we already had assets. And, and I came in with um, student loans. So we had to mm -hmm. discuss that. And he wasn't coming from the U.S. system. He was coming mm -hmm. from Europe. So for him, he was like, student loan, mm -hmm. what's that? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> in America, we have this situation called the student loan, the FAFSA mm -hmm. system, and I'm in it. So, you know, it was just educating each other about our financial mm -hmm. backgrounds. And then we literally joined everything. It's like, we're the butner. So we have an account for butner home, and that's our pill, uh, our bills and, and, and mortgage and rent and utili utilities and car notes and all those things you have to do in the U.S. Then there's Butner Investments. Then there's Butner Emergency Fund. Then there's, you know, but Butner mm -hmm. Vacation. So like all mm -hmm. of our accounts is the two of us. And there's two cards for each one of us. So mm -hmm. if you go out, like mm -hmm. our Mary said, who love to spend money on her expensive mm -hmm. purses, if you go out and buy that Gucci purse, it's going to show up will. in his email. Like your wife just sure bought will. this. <laughs> so... <laughs> we'll and we'll have a discussion about it. But I feel like that works mm -hmm. for us and mm -hmm. it doesn't work for everybody. And some people think, oh no, like, you know, you should each have your own thing. And But that's what we do and it works. But I think what's mm -hmm. important for us to also remember is we have to talk about some of the main topics that make people shy away from, from finances. So there's this mm -hmm. idea that some people have, which is what's mm -hmm. mine is mine. What's yours mm -hmm. is yours. Mm -hmm. And some people have the idea is what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. So it's right. like this concept of yeah. ours. It's all going in the same yeah. pot. Then there's also, so I think depending on what your thought process is on that, that kind of helps define what the rest of your financial goals and planning is going to look like. What do you think, Amir? Oh, I completely agree. I think first, first of all, is just having that honest conversation. And you know, I I talked about compromise being the first. Then you obviously having the um the honest conversation. But I think 
the main thing is really when spouses are coming into the marriage or even, you know, later on when they decide to have these conversations is making sure there's no judgment. Like if you know our Mary loves to spend money and you're coming in and you're checking her, you know, account and be like, my God, you're all this. Like, or how honest, you know, mentioned, like I have student loans. Like, you know, if you're coming in and, and judging automatically, like, oh, this is what you do. This is what you do. You're not going to have their honest partner. The partner might not share. Mm-hmm. going to judge them anyway. So it's like, okay, I may not mm-hmm. even share that much. So I'll rather keep my little thing on the side, my little side hustle. So she, she mm-hmm. or he will mm-hmm. not know what I'm doing. And I think that's going to be very important mm-hmm. when you're going into the marriage of having that no, mm-hmm. no judgment zone. Like, okay, you like to spend. Now let's talk about having a budget. You know, um, the monthly budget mm-hmm. should look like this. And I'll still put a little cushion for you of $100 or whatever. And that could be like, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to spend it this month, fine. If you want to wait till the end of the year and you have $1,200, like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Something like of that sort of example where you could do that or, you know, decide mm-hmm. on like maybe once a year you get like your expensive purse or, you know, it's not important. I'd rather do a mm-hmm. trip. Like you guys should have those type of conversations um, of no judgment. Mm-hmm. That way, there are no surprise. Um, and I and I know that sometimes it's easier said than done. But I think if you have both um, partners, you know, understanding that and saying, "Okay, this is all about us," because at the end of the day, if you really think about it, um, it is your money. Like it's my money because, well, I mean, especially for us that got married into the, you know in the Western world or in a Western system, it is your money because you mm-hmm. know you split assets in half if nothing was going to work. But at the end, if you have children, it's really your children's, you know, uh, wealth. And so everything we do now as couples, I always, you know, tell my husband, this is not about us. This is about our children. So anybody, even outsiders that come in and ask and beg, I'm like, you're taking money from my child, like, because I'm trying to create generational wealth for them. And so it's that mindset yeah. and that mind shift. And I think, you know, like Anna mentioned, I think um, you as well, Dr. Nafi, is like culturally you, let's just even talk about like, for example, like in the Gambia, this put Gambia context in where you have, you know, spouses not knowing what each other is making or owning properties. And it's only one person and majority, you know, let's just say 99% of this is usually men, men's name on the property. The deeds have only the husband's name and you might've worked together to hustle. And even if it's not, you are married to the guy, you entitled to that, Mm -hmm. you know, property deed. And we see it over and over and over where, you know, uh, men will own multiple properties, but then eventually, you know, the marriage doesn't work and the wife leaves with nothing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. no property, nothing. It doesn't matter even if you have children at that time. As long as you're alive, mm-hmm. you own those properties. And then it could be a hustle and hassle 20, 30 years down when you pass away where these kids are trying to, you know, claim something. So, you know, and, and it goes back to not having these conversations of, oh, no, it's okay. What his is his anyway. What's mine is mine. No, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate to say it like that, but you got to have those conversations because at the end, you'll be the one that's sitting there biting their nails and saying, oh, man, shoot, I wish my name was on the property because then I could transfer that for my children. 
Um, because, you know, most people too in the gamut don't even, let's, let's even not talk about wills. They don't have wills. So when you pass, mm-hmm. you're dealing with the Sharia law, which is, you know, the Islamic law that said, you know, they have a way that they follow where, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, even the brothers and the sisters and the wives, they're all entitled to some sort mm-hmm. of a property. And some sort of claim. And mm-hmm. we see it over and over. And I'm like, when do we get to sit down and have these conversations and actually learn? Because then you can avoid mm-hmm. all this. If it had your son's name or if it had your daughter's name or if it had your name on it, we wouldn't be fighting over these things and creating that will. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of that marriage and finance of life insurance and everything else. I think finances, it's such a sensitive topic that a lot of people do not want to to to, to discuss because a lot of it is judgment. Mm-hmm. Judge, There's so much judgment around it. Whoever's coming in will be looking at it. Oh, I'm worried that. And I think it's all that paranoia. Like, um, I'm worried this lady is going to catch me. You know, my wife's going to catch me spending something else. But if you know that you're going into it very honestly, into the marriage and there's nothing to hide then why worry like i'm not going to go buy a chanel purse for my side chick you know what i mean so anyway dr nafi Mm -hmm. i'll let you um pick it up from 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 where i left off so i would just like some of the uh stuff you mentioned i think that um we've talked a lot about like emotional abuse and like physical abuse but you know, there's also financial mm-hmm. abuse mm-hmm. in a lot of the relationships, whereas, you know, whoever is not working or let's say there's in, in, in our culture, there's a lot of um, um, stay at home moms and you know what I mean? Yeah. Housewives. And, and so in a way, a lot of them have experienced uh, financial abuse in that they have to be at the mercy of their husband if they need mm-hmm. money. I know the fact that I have a friend who actually was telling me that, oh my God, hey, just to ask for money from her husband. And so, in, in a, you know, so she has to do so much she has to just humble herself and humiliate herself just so the husband will give her some money because she's not working and he's the breadwinner. And so sometimes we see those types of um, power struggle where people would say, you know, when, when you're upset at your wife, you, you say, well, so you don't give her any money as a form of punishment, right? That, that There's a lot of that going on. And that's not just, um, you know, exclusive to Gambia right. it's it's in a lot of different countries this but uh, uh that's something that you know I think we need to educate people about it because for me I know that growing up I I learned a lot by watching my mom and 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 she has instilled in all of us because there's us all five girls instill in us the importance of financial mm-hmm. independence as a person, but more, more so as a woman, because if you go into a marriage and you are not financially independent, oh boy, it's just it can be used, mm-hmm. like I said, as a as a form of 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 abuse as a form to, um, you know, try to mm-hmm. control you, you know, 
you, because every little thing you have to buy, you have to beg for it from somebody else. And that can mm-hmm. be humiliating sometimes where you even have to ask your husband for money to go buy pads mm-hmm. for your cycle. You know what I mean? And buy, buy clothes for yourself or for children, you know? And so it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, in a, in a, in a, in, if we're doing it justly, what, ha- what needs to happen is in our communities, when you marry a woman and she's a housewife, she still needs, a, 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 um, what do you call it? Like a bank card mm-hmm. from your bank account, right? Because it now becomes your property. But in our culture, just like our Mary has, has mentioned, um, we don't even know what our spouse's properties are. Right. right? You, and and, and this, this one is actually something that I have experienced. My cousin built a house and um, didn't tell his wife where the house was located. And so when I asked, because when I went to visit them, the wife was complaining to me on the side. And she was telling me, you know, your cousin is not really doesn't tell me much about his plans or what he does. You know, he'll buy a house, then agenda property, you know, develop it and not even tell me anything about it. I hear it from friends and family, you know. And when I ask, he says, it's not your business. It's not, it's Dusafir. Mm. You know, because it's his money. So he feels like he doesn't need to consult with her or discuss anything with her. So she was trying to find out where this new house is that he has built. And so when I had a conversation with him privately, you know, I was like, you know, why aren't you telling your wife, you know, where your property is? And and he said to me, I'm not going to tell her that. So what if you're going to tell for something? Like that's the mentality. This is the mentality. And, and, and unfortunately, it's very rampant and common in our community, this kind of mentality, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And so what it, you know, so we start hiding our assets from our, our spouse, you know, because what, to me, what that shows, it's just this lack of trust there. And there's this suspicion that we have that culturally it's instilled in us, you know? You're always suspicious of the person you marry, that they're going to clean you out and then they're going to go enjoy it with their family. So you start hiding your assets and and hiding your things, you know, because if we're going to be honest, sometimes you may marry a person, but they're not really happy for your betterment. They're not happy for when you are doing well and moving forward because they feel like uh, she's going to outshine me or he might go past me. So they're not always happy. For, there, there are cases where when a woman gets um, a promotion or gets uh, a new opportunity to go abroad, the husband says, no, you're not going. And she has to forfeit that you know, opportunity because the husband sees it as a threat that she's going to better herself. Soon she's going to come back. She's going to earn more. She's going to become financially independent, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we maybe need to, there needs to be a conversation with our men folk, just so we all understand that when women are financially independent, it should not be seen as a mm-hmm. threat. You know what I mean? And, in, and unfortunately, we do see that. We see it as a threat. I've seen it, my, my uncles, where they have wives who are making money and it becomes an issue so, so much so that they make the woman stop working because they're threatened by that financial dependent dependence that they have and so you know this is you know it's something that we have to make um 
how do I put it? We have to normalize women being financially independent and not having to beg. Actually, we have to normalize everybody being independent, male or female. You know what I mean? And not have to depend on the begging system, depending on other people, you know, feeding you, you know, where you can do it yourself. And so um, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about it. Our Mary, uh, sorry, Anna, on what your thoughts are on that. But yeah, I just thought it was pretty interesting um, that what our brought up about how, you know, we don't know what kind of properties um, our spouses may have or even how much money they make, you know, like we hide it because we feel like, oh, if I tell her that I'm making this much money, she's going to start asking for more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you hide it or you, you cut the amount into half and say, this is all I'm making. I'm not making anything. So I can't give you anything, you know? Yeah. What are your thoughts, Anna? So I think what I want to get into is to help people figure out ways in which to communicate about money. So mm -hmm. I think firstly, we have to just have the honest conversation that men and women value money differently. Mm -hmm. So the more you talk about your values and the differences you have with your partner, the more likely it is that you will come to an understanding. So I think it's mm -hmm. important first, have a sit down with your partner and talk about what money means to you. How do you see money? Because some people are born into families where money is mm -hmm. a scary thing right? So it's like, or, or, or money is, um, is a scarce thing. And then mm -hmm. some people grow up in a home where money comes from everywhere. Money is in abundance. Money is something that if you want it, you can get your hands on it. Um, mm -hmm. So also, I think the thought process behind how you see money, how you perceive money, if you're scared of money, or if you think money is a great thing, or some mm -hmm. people feel like if I have money, it it's going to run out of my hands. So I got to hold on to it tight and not let go. And some other people are like, I'm going to open my arms because the more mm -hmm. I spend, the more money comes to me. So just mm -hmm. having an idea of what your thoughts are about money. Secondly, don't make it a big deal. You have to find a way to communicate where you both don't get upset. Talk about your purchases. What are your spending habits? Are you a saver or more of a spender? And mm -hmm. then you want to focus on each other's strengths. So talk about like, who's good with math? Who's good with budgeting? Who's good with Excel? Who likes to plan? And then let that person take on that responsibility because it's not mm -hmm. a burden for them because it's their strength. Also, mm -hmm. I think it's important not to just talk numbers. So if you have, for example, in Gambia, when I was there, I saw a lot of young couples, both of whom are working. So one might mm -hmm. be working at Ministry of Finance and one might be working at um, Echo Bank. So sit mm -hmm. down, talk about the numbers, like how much money are we bringing in the house individually and then together as a total, and then make a short-term and long-term list, like short-term, mm -hmm. what do we want? We want to buy better mm -hmm. cars. Okay, we need to improve our cars. We have school fees coming. That's a reoccurring cost. Long term, we want to build a house. Where do we want to buy the land? And like Dr. Nafi and both our Mary said, women, mm -hmm. please make sure that your names are on these title mm -hmm. deeds. Like, mm -hmm. listen, we have heard these stories decades and decades and decades. Yeah. Come on now. Mm -hmm. At this point, Sunyana, Dilanyaka Dev Saturbi, Yola Neh. It's right. your dumbness. Mm -hmm. At, in right. 2021, you're working, you're contributing to the money to purchase right. the land, yep. to build a home. Mm -hmm. Your name is not on the deed. 
I don't have any sympathy for you. I can't empathize. Yeah. I just think you're dumb. I mean, it's yeah. just that simple, especially mm. if you're educated yeah. and you're working. Even when you're a housewife, you got to find your voice in these marriages and speak up. Then mm-hmm. I also want to say, let us not lie. When we sit down to have these conversations, we have to come yeah. from a place of honesty. If you mm. come in with debt, let your spouse know. Sooner or later, the truth always comes out. Mm -hmm. And then you look stupid. It makes you look bad. Now your spouse is not going to trust you anymore. He feels Mm -hmm. betrayed or she feels betrayed. So I just think it's important that we come from a place of honesty when we talk money talk. Also, let's not just talk about our spending, but let's talk about earning. Couples need to start doing this thing of thinking of themselves as power couples, especially when Mm -hmm. you're both working, you're both Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs or you're both business people, sit down together and think of a big plan. What are we going to do? How do we earn this money? As our Mary said, to build generational wealth, Mm -hmm. to leave a legacy and also to enjoy the life we live Mm -hmm. in now. I think as Africans, especially black people, but Mm -hmm. more Africans, we almost have owned the identity of poverty. Like Mm -hmm. poverty is ours. Poverty Mm -hmm. is not ours. Poverty does not belong to us. You can live a life of luxury and abundance. You have to call it into your life. You have to put actions to work Mm -hmm. towards it and you have to have a plan. So sit with your spouse and talk about the places Mm -hmm. you want to visit in the world the kind of jewelry you want to own, the kind of clothes you want to wear, the kind of homes you want to live in and cars you want to drive and investments you want to have and figure out an action plan to get there. But please, let's stop thinking small. Let's start thinking Mm -hmm. bigger. Let's start Mm -hmm. talking to the universe and putting out there what we want because what we put out there is what comes for us. And you know what? If your dreams scare you, Mm -hmm. that's good. That means Mm -hmm. you're on the right path. If your dreams don't scare you, that means you need to upscale. You mm-hmm, need absolutely. to dream bigger. And then ah, when, when we talk about mm-hmm. gomi because in our culture, especially in the Gambian context, everything mm-hmm. revolves around religion and God. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you believe in God, then you know that there's nothing you're going to ask absolutely. that he won't give you. So, so I just want our Gambians, our Africans to get into the mindset of dreaming big, asking for big and leaving the fear behind of, well, I just want this. I just want that. I just want that. Because 99% of the time, when you ask for just, you always receive it. So what makes you think when you ask for the big right. thing, you're not going to receive it? Right. So true. Let's right. talk about it. So true, Anna. Oh, you, you ah, some that. good gems over here. And I always mm. call it like, um, yeah. you know, because again, um, mentioning that I got married so young. So everybody, all my friends would come to me before they get married and be like, you know, I want advice on this. What did you do here? And how did you do this? And how do you, I mean, till this day, I still get... Um, people ask questions because I'm actually celebrating my anniversary, my 
21 year anniversary of marriage um on, on wednesday uh, yeah on wednesday <laughs> wow right? so they're just like how how did that work but um i'm not gonna say that it was all like oh it's, it's such a great ride right but i think we were so lucky mm-hmm. that we came into it very young we hustle all our way around through it um with you know everything that we had met you know finances is always it could be a heated conversation but now that we know um mm-hmm. you know what this person likes and what person likes then we kind of you know work on this way Mm -hmm. but investments we always knew that we wanted to make sure that we build generational wealth for our children we wanted to that's why he um, Malik went into um, entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship very young Um, I did my own being a career woman um, for a very long time and then still continue doing that and then investing like what do we want to see not only for 1k and so on but really how do you want to see our portfolios like what do you want to look in like real estate or whatever that you know as a family this is what we wanted to do how do we get our children to start saving very um, very early how do we get them college funds and so on and so forth so we had those conversations very very early on to know that this is what we wanted to do um and you know i mentioned life insurance earlier on or even having a will to make sure that you know these are the things that we wanted as a family what do we discuss but it's very important like anna said that you have to have these conversations and i know they're not easy and these men especially just need to most of the time let those egos out that it's okay like you know put that guard out somewhere else this is your wife this is your woman and you know, you need to know that there's love there. That's why you married her. So bring those conversations in. And for women too, be open-minded and start having those conversations. And it's okay. Tell them how much you're making. And, you know, if you want to have your little mm-hmm. pot of money, like, you know, put your little account, that's fine. But bring have those conversations earlier on so it becomes a unit. Like, it needs to be a unit. And... um not, you know, Fatu's own account, Modu's own account. And then later on, you find out how many people pass away later on. You're like, oh, my God, yeah, he owned this and he owned that. And you had no idea. Um, you hear it constantly or even, you know, before passing, you know, you, you end up marrying somebody else. It didn't work out. And then you found out all those things that actually really belong to you, whether you're bringing in money or not. Once you're married, you're entitled to that. That money is your money, mm-hmm. whether you're working for it or not. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that I have to stand there and beg, hubby, please, can I have $10 to go or $10? Like, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. You should have that debit card mm-hmm. with you, your, you know, or the cash mm-hmm. to know that this is my allowance or whatever that is. You guys have to have those mm-hmm. conversations and bring it on earlier on. Mm-hmm. It's not, if not, there's no marriage. I always say this, like, you know, I think you explained that um Anna like if I give him you know where this house is then she's gonna go do something and I'm thinking what kind of marriage is that there's no marriage there's no marriage if you don't have those type of trust and conversations um around Mm -hmm. that and I think you know you have to think about it openly and honestly and and again going to that no judgment zone of not pointing that finger like, well, you're not going to buy this and so on. Another way to acquire, and and, and I, I learned this very early on, and I think I'm very fortunate for that. I used to be one um, when I first got married. I mean, I didn't have much, so just working 
and earning the little that we can. But I used to like to get this jewelry and there was this jewelry store in, in North Carolina and I would like in Raleigh and um, there was like every um, every piece of jewelry was $10 and when they have this sale they're like $5 and I would just go buy jewelry and you know I would like buy the you know month three the jewelry is turning black or it's changing color and I remember realizing like why do I keep wasting money and honey like they had the punch card and everything. I can't remember the jewelry store, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, if you buy like three pieces, you get the fourth one free. So here I am accumulating, accumulating all this crap. Right. And it hit me one day. I said, you know what? I love jewelry. Why not just save all this money and start buying expensive jewelry? And instead of buying like three for $30, I'll save them. Even if it's once a year, I'll go buy a nice David Yerman or something like that. Then that's mm-hmm. how I started mm-hmm. actually building my jewelry collection. And I was like, oh, so I could do this. So instead of, you know, birthday parties or whatever, somebody else gets me like three necklaces. I'm like, I don't want three. Mm-hmm. I might just want one ring, but it's good ring. And I could pass it to my kids. So I started thinking in that type of, you know, um, and it's the same thing with bags and so on. I just don't buy because it's cheap. I buy because it's quality and I can, you know, I feel like it's an investment. And I, every time I say this, my husband dies laughing and it's like, <laughs> he's like, your bags are investment. I'm like, they are, trust me. <laughs> they really, they are. really are. Like, trust me because mm-hmm. I can sell it now and I can at least get my value mm-hmm. back. And even if I'm losing money, maybe a little bit, but most of the time it's actually you know, mm-hmm. I've gained, I've gained more than I, um, it, it's appreciated. And, or, you know, in 20 years, when I give it down to my kids, who knows what this bag is going to be worth? I mean, I always make that excuse, but you, I, again, I'm trying to not like, it's all about um, quality over quantity. And so I changed that mind shift very mm-hmm. quickly. So instead of like blowing, you know, um, money on, on things that didn't make sense, I would be very, very, um, choosy and intentional about what I purchase, whether it's bags or um, jewelry, mm-hmm. especially those two things like, you know, clothing, that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But at least, you know, and I'm like the main pieces, let me try to, if not, let me not buy them because I ended up with like, ba- I literally had baskets, baskets of junk of just, you know, how jewelry you wear perfume and then the next thing it's like dark and I'm like, ah, I don't want to wear this. People are going to see the dark, you know, like it's cheap, fake. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And that was, I mean, this is like years, years, years ago. And I feel like it really changed my perspective on things that are of value and you could still do the same thing as, as women. And I know that because I've seen like back in the day or even till this day where women will buy choop my grand my my mother-in-law is like that she's given me choop like she's had from maybe back in the 70s and she'll go and take it to mali and they they do something else to make it shine or whatever and she'll give it to me and it looks brand new and i know she invested really good right money in into it and so these are things that you could do like if she wanted to sell it she could so I'm, I'm saying all this to say, you know, if it's women and you're thinking about ways that you can collect something to say in the future, this is something that I can do. Because I know a lot of women try to save up to buy gold to give to their daughters when they're getting married. That This is a good way to maybe even do it, like save little and buy that. 
um, instead of just trying to buy so much at once, like, you know, do it maybe once a year or maybe once every two years or buy things that are more of quality over quantity. Um, sorry. So th that was just the little advice I wanted to share. Um, back to you, Nafi. Good points. Thank you, Omeri. Um, I wanted to explore a little bit about what Anna was just talking about. You know, Anna, when you mentioned the gen uh, generational wealth thing, mm -hmm. and I don't think we can talk enough about that because I feel like this day and age, we hear people are passing away. They've had such a wonderful life, you know, lived well, and they left mm -hmm. nothing for their families. Their children have nothing. You know, the next generation have to, you know, start from scratch and struggle and, uh, on their own. And I think it's all in our mindset and our mentality culturally of what we deem important. And so most of the time when there is uh, somebody who has, you know, who is rich or is well off financially, we don't encourage, you know, mm -hmm. investments. And needs to be something more popular. We don't invest uh, for future gain for our for our next families, you know, coming up mm -hmm. like the children, right? And so mostly what we do is if you're a rich man, you gauge your wealth by doing what? Not by saving it and 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 making sure that your your children are financially secure, but instead we use it and do what? we marry more and more and more women. That's how we gauge our, our financial success, right? But what that's doing is actually draining our finances because if you have two, three households, that's a lot more expenses that you have to come up with and take care of as a man, right? And so at the end of the day, when you pass away, there's not much around, number one. Number two, you have not left a will, so I think this is an important thing, especially if you are in, in a polygamous relationship. Make sure you have a will. Our great-grandparents maybe and our forefathers may not have done it, and it leaves the family in such mm -hmm. a shamble, you know, things and arguments mm -hmm. over finances. So I think what we need to get into the habit of doing is making sure we write a will. And, and that way, if you have two households, if you have three households with different children, write a will and make sure you, you specify who you're leaving what with. So that in case something happens to you, there's not going to be ngiro, ngaro, hehante, and all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that we need to do that to maybe offset a lot of the financial battles and wars that we see happen when somebody passes away. For example, my dad, he had already, like, he already let everybody know uh, what's going down, who gets what. He even sat the whole extended family down and he gave them a verbal will. If I die, this is how my properties are going down. This person gets this, my wife gets this, this get person gets that. Under no circumstance do I need anybody else coming up and trying to creep in mm. and take stuff from my family. And even though he said that, folks try mm -hmm. to creep in, sister. They sure will. Try to creep in, but the fact that he had publicly said it, they didn't have any grounds.
So it's important to make sure you let it be known what your um, plans are, your intentions are as far as uh, financial finances and assets. You know, we always shy away from discussing mm-hmm. death in our culture. You notice that like we mm-hmm. get so uncomfortable mm-hmm. planning for death or in mm-hmm. case, hey, mm-hmm. but you have, to, you have to plan it. And so I have a good friend whose mom is in her 80s. She's going to be 80 like next month. The mom, I'm really good friends with the mom too. Right? So I, I chit chat with the mom and she said, you know, every time I try to talk to them about plants, sumakiri and stuff, they all say, ah, yeah, musal nyungiri yala, yala nyungiri musal. They don't want to hear it. And we need to get out of that mindset that, oh, don't discuss it with me. It is going to happen. We are going to die whether we right. discuss it or not. So we need to get out of the habit that, oh, if we discuss it, that means it's going to happen. It will happen regardless. So it's good to make sure we plan. And I, I push the kids and say, you know, you guys should listen to your mom. Your dad has already passed. Your mom's the only one here, and she's trying to tell you guys where her properties are, what are her assets. You mm-hmm. all need to listen. If she, if she were to be gone tomorrow, God forbid, you have no clue where, where her assets are and what her, her mm-hmm. properties are. You're right. Do- Dr. Nafi, I just, wanted, I just had a thought, and I wanted to jump in before I forget it. I just, to me, it's mm-hmm. such a contradiction because... At the same time as Gambians, we are so fake religious and everything is, (laughs) is, you know, like covered around God and we use God. But yet it's like, so I feel like, what is inevitable? The one thing we all know when we're born is that we're going to die. The one Ah. thing we all know is one nobody escapes is death. We all know our final destination is death. So the idea that sitting with your parents and discussing what we know is inevitable, which is their death, and what is going to happen after that is so uncomfortable. Like, first, I think it's a lack of maturity. Second, Uh I think it's a lack of gomiala. Because Nikko gomiala, do do Let us stop kidding ourselves with this fake idea that Gambians are so pious and so religious, yet when it comes to basic principles, like talking about death, which is in every religious book, Mm -hmm. death is inevitable. Actions have shown us over and over again. I know for for fact, my mom has planned her funeral. She knows what color she wants us to wear, what music to play, where she wants <laughs> to be buried. She, she has, and we, and it was like a normal adult discussion. And it was almost also joy around it because it's like, right. she's here to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it was the same with my grandmother when she passed, before she passed, like she wanted mm-hmm. all her children to fly in. Everyone mm-hmm. flew in. Her kids that were in Sweden came in. The ones who were in America came in. The ones that were, you know, anywhere in the world. Everyone, because mm-hmm. that's what she requested and asked for. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about finances and death. I also want to touch on the fact that I think mm-hmm. it is so unfair when parents say, when I die, no matter where I die, I want you to send me oh, back Lord. home yep. to my village. But what? you did yep. not save. 
you did not save and put money aside for your dead body to be shipped back to the village. What I don't care if you're from Jarakonku. I don't care if you're from Kiang. I don't care if you're from from uh, half guy. The point is, gis nga so toge be wasa dwa ninga hamne yalen jour sa domi yo yai kilifa ngane len suma deye dama bu ngene delo ma suma deka. Make sure you're also responsible enough to save the money because hamga lude hell ninge den sona si go fund me you do jeh suma uncle de na go fund me suma yai de na go fund me suma papa de na go fund me de de bulen go fund me. Key request for new suleko for mbuga new suleko. Make sure while you're alive, you save enough money, just like my mom has done. Put it aside, and you say, if I want to be flown back to Tanzania to my village in Tanga, dama bugan gin sulma next to suma pass suma yai. Make sure ne amga halis me because hamga lude hell doctor nafi our Mary. Ni hanga den dejel stress go hamne len detect and family membersi. Ni neka di porato halis. Some people have to take on second wow. mortgage out on their house. Some people are taking out loans just so they can ship dead bodies back to some village. And right. I feel like it is so financially irresponsible. Man, it's, it's, it's not even part of the Quran. Money. Degan, may mama wa ko so se parce que li nga wax ni day mom amna so. Amna solo baski I just have I just mama mama I just had this conversation with a woman and she got upset about it and I'm talking about the same lady that I just told you guys about you know the fabuga plan about uh what do mommy fusuma you know assets in eka bugunyo watana mom about it I had the same conversation with her about it you know because Lee when 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 um there's a lady who recently died here and her son is struggling oh, to send her body back home. This was during this COVID, I'm telling you, COVID-19, like, that we're in. This was last year. Uh, and the body had to be frozen for a while, because of the COVID, you know, virus and everything. For God's sakes, let's stop kidding ourselves. How many people? bodies have been returned to Gambia to Ben Walker them with ziyara jiko nanyan wahante dega absolutely are we persistent I don't get that man and my parents thank God they were very understanding about this they were like you know if we die we die we get buried Islamically four day fofule nye wala sule wow wow fofule nye wala sule because fofule yala emal sa fofule yala emal sa salibi you know sanokibi why we have this extra financial burden that we put on our people ne sumade ye de loma be jogema you know be america wala all anywhere in australia anywhere nga de loma be suma suma village bi ma judo what alis bobu nono buñ ko jelon dimbale mboka bi lolu mo genu tam ñuy la fly yong do yek sax na ya nge fly lañ len waxante de ko ci yo ko ci so se ba fara tamit ci so se del bilin soko yo ka sa mate man ma def so se bi sa because soko yo ka sa so i the made them i i go um whenever i go to gambia i go the made them see my dad because he passed on a friday so i'll go on a friday to go to the cemetery when i go on the cemetery this is no mm-hmm. joke the kind of thing cemetery you I mean talking about like key flying body be in 
you know, it's there. You're right. Nobody goes to Sierra, these people. The ones that you know, you can count them because you see that the graveside looks good and all that. There's not like a lump. Let me tell you, it's a lump. Sometimes the, the little thing that a little cardboard that they put on the top or whatever thing that they put to even put a name, them now. So you don't even know who's buried there. I walk and then the guy's like, ah, oh, it will feel so infinite. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know somebody's laying there? I mean, I'm walking, wow. going around. There's no head. I won't no, forget head. that. Lolo mom. And they're like, no, Muslim, this is Sule. Mm-hmm. Then so you're right. What's the point of really going back? Sule's parent or your loved one. If you What's the point? When you're Islam, you don't go. Um, because like I mm-hmm. said, I mean, and these are big names. Huh? I'm, I'm telling you, like I just left there last two weeks ago. And, mm-hmm. and visiting, and I'm t- like, they're just lumps of just sand. You're lucky to find a little board that says mm-hmm. that he is Ali so and so and so or something. You will not even know who's buried there, and it's mm-hmm. sad. So you can say all of it and add it to the Mandinka. Thanks, girl. And then after so that, we'll, we'll let you do it in Jola, right? <laughs> <laughs> My God, go. Mbading olbide, molbe kacha munang kombe kachala, futu kuola anin kodi kuo. Komun nimmo fututa kodi kuo nyimbekela nyadile mba topotola nyadile. Kewani musoni fututa nyantele kakacha kodi kuola sukono kuo nyanta topotola nyameng. Amanyan na kela dronko ninkeole kodu soto ate 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 animusote kachala be munkela. Abe fengol sanna, be fengol kelata fola musoye. Kordal be sanna, mutol be sanna ta fola musoye. So barimbe mufanan kacha kafula je wolonko nimba dingol mulbe America wala dolbe Europe nimmerol nimpa binyol nata ibe 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 turin dingol bulujang ikafoye ko ninte fata alinsendi Gambia alkanambade uh, America wala alkanambade mane alinga wole bula because ni wonte woka munke akabatandi role nati dindingo idingo fango bulu wala ibadi ngoli be muntu la koma mulia lonko iba katala ibe do kuola kodo tebulu itena atasi ko wolye ko haninte fata alim alim fure o saindi fo gambia fo nasate o ton kulu tadame wo kodo dorong wo mari bita kodi kodi dontola ibita banko to ibe kodo dontola ibe badi ngol dontola ibe dunna karobela ibe 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 sinyol sinyol mul ila sinyol dontola kodo la pur doro yeta yeta la fure o samba alinga wole bula wo manyang amantiling because mbembadingol batandikan ne alama ofo you know dino mofo you know islam ye mumfo wolo ifata dame inyante badi la woleto imanyan ne chikalay be sambala sate fo sate you know and so alinga obula ngan dingol nge ma koytol fana nga foy doron ko nimfata dawoda ni nate jube janne america mfata jang alay niyo dandi janne alimbade doron because nimbe to nyafo la nyoye ni yela furewo samba fo gambie tate badi Mwabukate yube baade koto kotenko. Alinga tonya hafo nyoye. Ifure waniye baade fo mwabie tata. Yal hairi mwoy. Mwabukane yube koten. Ikatara lari njele kiling. Mwabukane ziare. Mwabukane aduwake baade koto. Sila wanafale. Yete samba fo saate ndi njumato. Ye baade je. Habari mwabukane yube. Hani hani nyamolfa mwabukana ka chopotika bondila baade koto. Sila haniye baade nunjang Amerika. Muyalonko idingol bijang. Ikatatela. Domandin domandisi nejube no. Wole fisiata, 
so bitunkonga odo mandingo fodoro manika kan risaje mbadingol fana yekafuje you know nganyo hakili mayandinga hakilo tu wonyonku sifato mkandingol ni dundi fenko munkono kwati dol kabatandi romundila because mbafole ko lafte nyine kenyeni mfata alinkete ngalinkete ngalinga wole talayama mungok i think that that i think that's it but yeah that was really a good that was a good point to bring up for sure for sure because i i know i know that when i went to gambia it's not a cultural thing for us no, to go visit yeah. our dead that's the thing it's not culturally encouraged to do that when you die and that's just the 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 the, the cemetery is just a mm-hmm. place that's forbidden mostly mm-hmm. for the for the living for the living we don't really like to go there you know uh we don't like to even venture next to it it's seen as this dengeragal de rekinga wa rekli ana wa rek dengeragal de tapet do buga de wa bure rek bi de du tapet awa meri lolu nyaka gom yalala dama pay su nitji di rombe ngen nya jay sen ibadu yudu jehak su nekke ci office ngen dem ci bathroom yi kay len ñu juli juli jotna asen wahi juli yek asen wahi ibadu yi yep be pare simple things like accepting the partner yalla mo wonne ñun ñep dañu geena adu da ñoo jël muñu ko discuss the culture is also something pushing back on it in gambia right we are riding the fence between culture and religion if we're going to be honest and culturally culturally no, there's a lot of things bida yefi bida culturally there's a lot of things that we do which is not even islamic but we're saying ah hamga gudi bulde wa xorom what the hell ndey <laughs> 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 Gudi man mané harama dem harama dem indi tuti xorom mister nyang ne ma hey nafi bul koy tuda gudi mané ko bu may tuda lan gudi muné ma li nga wax ni da nga né saf safal I'm not kidding. I mean, come on. You I'm trying cuz you know I have a cold chat. Look, don't get me there because you all know that that's not a religious thing. Safsafal. And then and then I also and that ne come come li naka naka um Nido. Nido. Nido ning Pursa. Oh, pour hey, pour ça do wax ko dé da nga né ñaw 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 kat ñaw ñaw lu kat do dé wax pour ça gudi dé I have never heard of these before nafi nafi tay tay rega ba because you know what i'm ga it's like i say yapa and whenever i say yapa smoke cousin to niñ duma bi loy wax yapa do wax yapa and i'm thinking why dañ dé wax dañ dé wax né ndawal waaw dégg la so da nga né ndawal Yeah so they like so now that's why I'm just really laughing because I'm thinking about all this crazy culture stupid bidas of you know and maybe tam lol like culture be I mean just yeah. like FTM and all these things they'll try to switch it you know I'm got culture be new ya hay hay ah benga hamne you know we're not talking we're not really adding comments and the worst part is like I'm talking about now educated people that sit 
and talk like this. And it just yes. it baffles me. Like, come on, you know better. Yes, but there's a, there's, we shouldn't even call them educated. Uh, doctor, um, oh, Mary, because I'm degree to well, educated. Yeah, right, Let us be I honest. Must, there's a lot I of people walking around with I, degrees yeah. in their hand. Dila, even Dila Weaver yeah. PhD degrees. Come so on, common sense. And here's another another thing that I want to touch on before we leave because yeah. we're about to wrap it up. I think we've been on mm-hmm. for an hour. We have to talk about mm-hmm. borrowing. Please. Gambians, Africans have a terrible habit yes. of borrowing. We need to stop live within mm-hmm. your means for heaven's sake. Stop borrowing money that you know mm-hmm. you cannot pay back. And here, since today we're talking about marriages and finances. This one is targeted specifically mm-hmm. for the men and the husbands mm-hmm. out there. Ah, you lend what Abbasen Jabari Bepare Dolan Delo. We have to talk about this because it happens all the time. Bailen, the Gilson Lan, Yinga Hamnison Jabari, send Wadi, Nolan Codonit, Nolan Codona. Land that you came into your marriage with. Do not give it to your husband mm. so he can go and tile mm-hmm. it at the bank and you know he will not make a pay back that loan and your land will be taken or mm. your home will be taken. Women, we have to mm-hmm. smarten up. You love your husband, I understand. Your husband is your mm-hmm. partner, I understand. It is a unit, I understand. But when Absolutely. it doesn't make sense, Absolutely. it is bullshit. You have Absolutely. to call your husband and your spouse out Absolutely. on bullshit. I know so many women in Gambia that will tell you the stories of homes they have lost because their husband mm-hmm. used it mm. as, 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 as collateral yeah. at the bank. Land that their parents had mm-hmm. passed on to them that has been in the family mm-hmm. for generations. They have lost it because the husbands have used it mm-hmm. as collateral at the bank. If mm-hmm. you want to borrow money, and you have nothing, you have no asset, no collateral, then you should not be borrowing that money. It's just that simple. And I understand you're helping your husband, but Mm -hmm. not to your detriment and the detriment of your children. Because that Mm -hmm. land and that home is what our Mm -hmm. Dr. Nafi was talking Mm -hmm. about when she said Mm -hmm. generational wealth. Generational wealth refers to any kind of asset that families pass down to their children or grandchildren. Mm whether it comes in the form of cash, investment funds, stocks and bonds, mm-hmm. properties, or even mm-hmm. entire companies. But once it's passed down, that's what's mm-hmm. called generational wealth. So you cannot break the generational wealth because of this stupid <laughs> man you've gone and married who has no sense. <laughs> no sense. Like, <laughs> You've given it to the stupid <laughs> man and you know this fish business is not going to work. <laughs> you know it's not about business is not going his, to work. His 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 uh-huh. dreams No, but the thing but the thing because when you do that why man lutax ñun suñ mbokay ñun ñeme de 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 aba te duñ nango fay I we have a mentality it's not just borrowing it's the fact that we feel entitled that we don't have to pay you back. Like, I'm just, I just have to say this real quick. Yesterday, I had a conversation. No, not yesterday. uh, Friday, I had a conversation with a bank exec. 
one of the bank and he co- he told me and this is a male bank executive huh? as the ceo i mean managing director whatever they call him and he told me straight up gambian men do not repay debt so we want to figure out how to um you know get a loan product for women because men do not pay mm-hmm. this is a man saying this uh-huh. so well yeah, the thing so, is yeah. if you really think about it right this is why in gambia these days i i am my mind is blown as to how people are, are being required to pay cash to buy homes you know like these these, these apartments and these yep. um uh, new new developments mm-hmm. that's happening in gambia because the reason that they're saying mm-hmm. you have to buy it cash or put 50% down and then another 50% before the whole mm-hmm. place is finished right one year they have to mm-hmm. pay for the house in it's one expensive. year whereas in america it's like 35 years to pay the damn house so and i now understand yep. it's because if you give a person a loan they will go live in it they will never pay you back we need to leave that uh-huh, mindset uh-huh. like you you see people uh-huh. they come to your uh-huh. house they cry japa satankai bilai abal madina la fail duga na ni gena na le you give life savings yeah ablai halis binak yo buma duma samoram de buma yap de ablai did way like people are not oh my god like it's hard to to we love to borrow but we are not very good at paying people back you know what i mean um yeah and and another thing another point that you know in terms of even borrowing we're talking about buying homes and all that but let's go to a point but hamne like um you know let's say you married and the woman wants to buy you know a hair that's the hair my god hair is a whole another expense now it's more expensive than a bag and everything mm-hmm. else is human hair now they're purchasing it's hair and um you know um it's a piece and stuff like that like like materials whatever to make uh, these outfits now women are actually borrowing it and not repaying but it's a form that they could hide these type of you know uh, purchases from their spouses because it's so expensive i've heard of hair like this hair costing mm-hmm. over $1000 in the gambia and people are buying it and i'm like what hair more than $1000 wow. i need to be in business like to sell my hair or something but it's expensive and so you know this is another form of if you're going to borrow and you're not repaying that that's another you know these are the conversations you want to have in your marriage open honest like hey i like hair i want to buy one like one mm-hmm. shovel whatever they call them a wig or you know tech or you know yeah. to, to look to look good or i like to you know i like to to um you know um buy materials or yeah. or, or jewelry or the money do hassle or whatever it is that you want to have get a budget for that and have those conversations then you know, but okay. yeah let's wrap all right up. let's wrap it up i mean i'll just say that like in my takeaway from this is just that you know like there is no right way to do this when you're merging your finances with like whatever works for the couple i say works right so fine you know financial stress mm-hmm. it can really impact a marriage in many ways so we definitely need to make sure that there's great conversation happening between the two people you know um and and to, financial responsibility starts with what my mom taught me and my dad since i was a kid and it's very simple 
cut your coat according to your size, people. Live within your means. Stop trying to Mm -hmm. outdo the Joneses. That's what is bothering us where we're having to argue with each other. I want to have what Susie has. Susie, I'm I'm not Range Rover. We, that brings fiction into the relationships where we're stretching our spouse mm-hmm. beyond what they can afford, but we're trying to be and look like who we are not. And so I think my takeaway yeah. is just make sure you live within your means and work together, try to plan, you know, build generational wealth for your children and the rest is just, you know, take it easy and do as you go. Take it away, Anna. So my my takeaway is, um, Dr. Nafi, you you actually mentioned a couple of the points that I wanted to to bring up, so I won't belabor them. But my parting gift to people is this: money is everywhere. There is enough money for all of us to be mm-hmm. billionaires. Money comes to me from every angle in life. I don't know broke. I will never be broke. It's not That's part right. of my psyche. So if you want money, you simply have to put it out there and it will come to you. And please stop asking for small. Bullion help yala. Nyun Gambian Dare him. Dare him to ask, ask him to be a billionaire. Jeff Bezos, we think so small, so we remain small. People, sit down with your spouses, sit down with your husband, make a plan for yourself, and let it be so mm-hmm. grand and so big. That it scares you, then you know you're onto something. I I I like that, and I will say that um, you know just spinning my hat here with me, you know, being the founder of the Woman Boss and Innovate Gambia and the entrepreneurs that we work with, I will tell you that at least ninety nine percent, no joke, all of them have financial issues because they don't know how to track finances because these are conversations that were never had as children. And when you think about it, it stems from, you know, being young at home. If you don't see your parents discussing money, if your parent, your dad, you know, does his own thing, the mom does their own thing or whatever, maybe the mom earns, comes back to the house or whatever. When these, you know, uh, young entrepreneurs now want to own their own businesses, they don't know how to manage. For them, money, it's like, oh, my God, I got money. So they blow it. They're like, I'll have a contract today. They will pay me $600,000 and it will be blown within a week. And I can't tell you what I've spent it on because it's not been a habit of conversations. So I'm saying now, like conversations that I try to have now with these young girls, even the ones that are my staff or even interns or go through my program is let's talk Mm -hmm. about financial literacy. What does it really mean when you have $100? What do you need to do with it? And I talk to them like, why not have another account? Do do something that you know that you can save a little bit of money or, um, you know, give it to somebody who can keep it for you or, you know, figure out a way where you can save it or go a, put a down payment on a home or a land and pay little by little and you end up having a land that you own because you can sell it quickly. 
um, just something that you can start earning and, and saving, um, you know, uh, acquiring generational wealth. I think that's very, very important. Or having conversations now in schools to talk about generational wealth. Mm-hmm. It's that poverty mindset that's mm-hmm. been embedded in us for so long that we don't want to talk about money because money, it's like, oh, we can only dream about it unless you leave to go to another country. You're not going to have the type of money. And like Anna said, we do, we, I mean, we can, it's, I mean, you can be million, millionaires, billionaires. I mean, you see it all the time, but you have to work hard for it and be smart. It doesn't mean that you're just going to go and talk to together, being a nyan, a billion, and not work hard. Uh, it's not going to happen now. I'm just telling y'all. Mm-hmm. You got to work hard for it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. prayer plus action because prayer without action is null. Mm-hmm. So prayer plus action, work hard and be smart about it. Do smart goals that you know that you can mm-hmm. attain them. But having those conversations very earlier on, especially with our young children, on if I give you $50 this now, are you going to end well? I mean, fifty is cheap. It's let's say five hundred dollars. Are you going to entirely spend the five hundred dollars, or you're going to say, "I'm going to save two hundred of it because next month I might add another two hundred and get something. Maybe I want to ride a bike and I'll deliver. You know, create something where these kids now are learning how to save money. When I took my interns, and these are seventeen, eighteen year olds, to the bank with me couple of weeks ago and we walked in and I told them I want to open bank accounts for them they looked at me like I'm crazy they said but they're so young they don't need a bank account I said no they do they need a bank account and we're giving up startup capital because this is the way to start you know teaching them how to save money if not everything they get paid they're gonna blow it and I know they have the I know they need mm-hmm. it the parents will take it but even if it's hundred dollars is they're gonna save in here Please just make sure they're open. And because of that, they were just so shocked. I'm serious. The ba- Three staff called me and said, how did you get them to come into the bank? And I'm like, what do you mean? Because in America, you know, you get bank accounts. My kids have bank accounts. They've had bank accounts for a very long time. But it's it's that com- those conversations that we need to start having now in our communities, especially mm-hmm. communities of color, communities in Africa, we need to start having those conversations very young. And so that's my takeaway. And I'm hoping that people will have those conversations with their kids at home. Like you give them lunch money, let them be smart about it. You don't have to, to, to spend the entire $100 or 200 Be smart about and teach them why and what that, that really mean eventually mm-hmm. later. So that's it for me. Ah, Thank man. You well, mm-hmm. till next time, people. All righty.